Hello, welcome. Thanks everyone for joining again this week. I'm David Widmar. It's August the 19th. This is going to be the episode about yields. We're going to share just a little bit about yields. Of course, last week on the 12th, the USDA released the WASD report. I think there's a, a little bit of a surprise in that report is that the soybean number went up. Corn number came down, largely in expectations that we saw from the trade. But I want to talk a little bit about yields. We have a couple articles this week that wanted to, to highlight. I want to talk with you about that real quickly. I encourage you, of course, to update your forecasts on the yield contest that we have going on through the AEI premium platform on the Ag Forecast Network tool, but also update your forecasts just in general. Make sure you have your the latest expectations calibrated and that you're thinking about this and helpful way. First off, I mentioned Jeff Young's work. You know, as a reminder, Jeff weekly puts the crop conditions measures. Crop conditions aren't an explicit measure of yields. There's a lot of error in those, but those do help form expectations informally and formally. And so what we do, which is unique from anybody else, is Jeff makes a nice summary of the weekly latest and then he plots uh, multiple estimates, multiple models, and he shows the expectations over time. It's uh, one thing to say my model is estimating 175.4. It's another thing to show how the model has updated over time. And it's also helpful to see this ensemble. So what we've seen with corn yields is this pretty general downtrend. It's been really uh, noticeable over the last four or five weeks. And in all three models at the moment, they're kind of hanging in there, that 175, 176 range, which has came down a lot from, you know, the trend normal yield of 181. And so we've seen a lot of adjustment down, you know, five to six bushel below what we consider to be the close to that trend line. So uh, a downward trend for the corn yields, largely in line with where that USDA number was. Kind of helpful to think about that. The other one that Jeff has, of course, is also on the soybeans. Those, on the other hand, have been pretty consistently below the USDA estimates. Right now, the USDA is at 51.9, and Jeff's estimates here are the 51 mark or slightly lower. They've not had this downward trend that corn has had, but they've been cons pretty consistent, but below the trend line. So we'll see how this progresses. We'll see how this wraps up. By no way, shape, or form or fashion are we saying these are the going to be the numbers, but just kind of help you frame up the expectations. I think Jeff did a really good job about this and mentioning sort of the range of possible outcomes is oftentimes what's really helpful. Oftentimes it's not whether or not it's 175.0, 176.0 that's relevant. It's the range of possible outcomes. It's when we miss the range that we really get ourselves in trouble as decision makers. And so when we think about the range of possible outcomes, whether it's Jeff's earlier articles, on the Westcott Jewison model, which has a much lower corn number, or it's some of these private estimates or some of these crop condition estimates. It's the range that we want to make sure that we don't miss. And of course, Jeff also does a really nice job of showing what states have really good conditions versus what states don't. Missouri is looking pretty good, same with Kansas, parts of Kansas. And then, of course, Ohio and Michigan, states that are really struggling. At least in these data, be Kentucky. Wisconsin, South Dakota. We'll see and then in other states that are, you know, struggling also the ones in white, which is the rest of the country. So in general, I think we showed a bigger map. These are the seven or the primary corn producing states, the top producing states who were to expand this. I think in the Southern Plains and the Tennessee, you'd see even more 
low trend yield conditions. Our soybeans in Missouri and Ohio are the bright spots for that state, but we can see Iowa, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Tennessee again are on the struggling side of things. So let's switch gears just a little bit, and I want to go back to this range of possible outcomes. Uh, this is an article that I've uh, written in the past. I wanted to update it. And before I kick this off, I want you to think about if the USDA estimated 175.4 bushels per acre, how much change do you think could occur between August and final? Is it plus or minus two bushels? Is it plus or minus five bushels? Is it plus or minus 10 bushel? I want you just to think a little bit about that. What range do you think would capture you know, the range of possible outcomes or the likely possible outcomes? And I think you've probably already probably biased you here. You probably already spread out your expectations more than normal, but just by what I was saying, but what we've done in the past is we've looked at, you know, what was the estimate based on the trend line, the May WASDI, the August WASDI, September, October, November, and then what was final? And we can look at that air. With corn, uh, we see that the trend in May WASDI have a lot of air, like the 2012 drought or the 2004 really big corn yield. That can be expected. We don't have much growing season or any growing season in some cases in the data. So it's kind of a blind guess. It's the base rate. Now, when we get in August, we start to tighten this up a little bit. But as you can see, when you read the report, there are still about three years, almost four years in history when the range has been near or exceeded 10 bushels per acre from August to final. What does that tell us? Well, that tells us, you know, a five bushel change, higher or lower, is, is not out of the realm of possibilities. Probably even a 10 bushel change from here isn't out of the possibilities. So I'm not saying that that's going to happen here this year. We want to encourage you to think about what is the range of possible outcomes and how might that impact you're thinking, even when we get into September, we still see some 10 bushel changes for corn. When we get October, it narrows up to five. In fact, it was 2020 that we had a five bushel change, almost a seven bushel change from the October estimate all the way through final. And when we get to November, it tightens up. There's still some possibilities for a couple bushels worth adjustment. You're going to get really nerdy here on the airs. On average, the air for either any one of these estimates is zero. And the reason why it's zero is because you add up all the positives, you add up all the negatives. So an error of plus two and an error of minus two averages to zero. And then when we think about the negative two and positive two scenario, if we look at the absolute value, the error in that case could be closer to, you know, two itself. So why do we want to mention this? Well, I want to mention that, you know, in August, the average error is four and a half bushels. That shrinks to three and a half bushels. Two down to one. Now, if we switch gears to soybeans, again, a couple of differences I want to mention here. I'll let you get in the data. One, the August WASDI isn't much different at all from the May estimates and the trend yield. What does that mean? Well, there's still a lot of noise out there in soybeans. It might take out some of the air, but it's still very, very noisy. And historically speaking, there isn't much difference in the air, again, from August to the other points. We probably haven't cut through much of the uncertainty at all around soybeans. It takes until September, but really October, November to really cut through that. Second point here is there's, in general, more air and more uncertainty in the soybean yields at any given point during the estimates. And it's just important to keep in the back of our minds. Some of this, is, of course, is because the crop is 
planted later, it matures later, but some of this is just part of the survey process, but just keep in mind, there's gonna be some yield surprises. It's probably, historically speaking, gonna be more on the soybean side. But again, to wrap this up, we've seen soybean numbers trend a little bit higher. We've seen soy corn numbers trend lower, but there's still a lot of uncertainty. And I want to make sure that you think about that in your conversations and your thinking and your marketing plans. Just keep in mind, there's still a lot of uncertainty on the table and we'll see how this wraps up. Okay, to wrap this up, just a reminder to make your forecast for the yield contest that we have going on through the Ag Forecast Network, both for the long burn question about November WASI report. It's been going on for quite a while. If you're like me, I had to raise my probability after the August WASI, the probability of above 51.5 bushels for soybeans on corn. We'll see how this plays out, but it's definitely some a non-zero chance to go above trend line. It seems very, very unlikely, but maybe not a zero percent chance, especially when we consider there have been times in the past when the August has moved higher and lower, more than 10 bushels. So we just want to keep that in mind. So mark your forecast, check up our latest articles, have another article about exchange rates. I want to encourage you to look at that. Took a look at the trade weight exchange rates. For corn, soybeans, cotton, a lot of pressure in the cotton markets, but we also looked at it for the competitors and said, how does this look up for ag more specifically? Again, I'm David. That's all for this week. Until next time, stay curious.